Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pipe It Up podcast, and it is a special episode today, episode 150, round of applause, gentlemen. Let's go. I wish Jack was here to celebrate with us, but uh, 150, a lot of episodes, and uh, we got a special guest coming on today, one you probably didn't see coming, but it'll all make sense as this episode progresses, as he was a part of this incredible shoot we did with Mark Rober, which is what Kyle, Jimmy, and myself are going to talk about today. And uh, Jim, by the way, congratulations, beating the Preds, came back in unbelievable fashion. Thank you. Shout out to Bennett. Shout out Casey Bennett. <laughs> Shout out that to Bennett. kid has been grinding, Tom. Oh, it paid off, hard. didn't it? And nice, nice little league home run as well. Yeah. yeah. Had everything. That series had everything. But the focus today, of course, is going to be on the Mark Rober collaboration, uh, as it probably should be. That's that's a bucket list thing that we were able to accomplish and we're lucky enough to be a part of. So we're going to focus on that a lot today. Jimmy and Kyle were a part of it, of course. I was there as well for a portion of it, and I can't wait to break it all down for you guys, as well as talking to a man who filmed a portion of that on the drones, Nurk FPV, the professional drone pilot, and uh, so we'll interview him for about a half hour, too. It's going to be a banger of an episode. A lot going on today, but this is the Pipe It Up podcast. Cue the intro. Hi, folks. We made it. We're here. I'm not quite sure how, but I'm not going to complain. It feels good. <laughs> it feels good. It feels really good. Um, today we're joined by Jimmy Norp. Jim, thanks for joining us in the Pipe It Up studio. First time, thanks. first time, first time guest in person, which is nice. Yep. Good to see that pretty face of yours. But uh, yeah, lots of lots to discuss today. The Mark Rober shoot, uh, Jim series. We can talk on just a little bit, but mostly the Mark shoot was was pretty cool. We wanted to talk about with you guys today. So. Uh, First and foremost, I guess we're still kind of in shock. It's only been a day since it released, right? I know. Right now, it is number one on trending, and I am still unable to comprehend that. Yeah, that's cool. I don't know that. that just the the fact that we got to film with him in general is, is awesome. Like the trending thing's cool. It's like a cherry on top. But um, yeah, Jim, how you feeling? Yeah, like Kyle, you were the main it. character, so <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's crazy too. I did not expect the shoot to really go that way at all. But yeah, the fact that it's number one trending on YouTube right now, just looking at that today, when Kyle sent us that in the group chat, was like. This really happening, like we're the number one trending video on YouTube right now. That's a little ridiculous. That is odd. <laughs> it was sure. definitely a, a wild shoot too, but it paid off. Um, that, that the shoot probably occurred over a total of I want to say four days, maybe three. But me and Jimmy had a very hectic day in April where we of course flew out to um, San Francisco and shot in like three or four different places, all within I want to say twelve hours. We were we we flew in, shot on the same day, and then and flew out um, that night. So it was pretty crazy. And then. Obviously, Oklahoma was pretty fun as well. So what did that day look like in, in California? What was your guys' agenda that day? Okay, so I want to say we got into San Fran at like maybe 10 or 11 the night before. We were just gassed. Went right so to this bed. Is, this was the night prior to filming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. night yeah. prior to filming. We I don't remember pretty, that like that, but okay. <laughs> pretty gassed, just went to sleep, woke up the next morning pretty early, like 8 a.m., went straight oh, to man, the Oh, man, so early. <laughs> so that's early for me, Tom. Same. Went straight to the ballpark. Isn't that like 11 a.m. Eastern time, though? Oh, gosh, <laughs> yeah. it must have been really tough getting out of bed that yeah. morning. Tough hours for me, Tom. Yeah. But, yeah, went straight to the ballpark. One of uh, one of Mark's uh, team members picked us up. His name was Josh. Super cool in a Tesla. That was yeah. a cool experience for me and Kyle to be at the Tesla. That was yeah. fun. So, but yeah, we went to San Fran. We filmed with uh, some of their coaching staff. We threw some pitches to them. Actually, really cool. One of the most underrated things for me was uh, when Mark was actually talking to the Giants pitching coach. That was like heaven for me. Just listening to that guy talk, like how the game is, cha- how the game of baseball has changed well, over the what years. What was he asking him? Like, what was what was the conversation? Was it a purposeful conversation? It was like Mark's general curiosity. Yeah, it was purposeful for the video. He was trying to like get the pitching coach to talk about the science of baseball and why this seems uh, affect the way the ball moves and that kind of thing and how that also will affect a wiffle ball and the differences between that. So, but yeah, it was just cool. Like the pitching coach talking about how over the last like 10 years, how pitching analytics of baseball have changed so much. And that was like super cool for me to hear. I wish I would have had like a pen and paper just to write stuff down there. Cause that was, that was pretty crazy. But, so. but do you think that Mark is asking that just to see how knowledgeable the guy is? Cause I feel like Mark already knows why the ball's moving the way it is. Yeah. So I guess like a, a cool thing is here right when we left that like shoot with the, the giants like director of video and all, and all the pitching staff, really, he was like, I wish, I wish they would have went more in depth on this effect and this effect and this effect. He had like, all these effects Mark, that he wanted. So yeah, see, he, he, that, so he knew yeah, the yeah. answers to the question. He was, he, he, he was trying to lead him on with certain scientific type yeah. questions, but mm-hmm. obviously this guy is like, he, he has a baseball background. He doesn't have, you know, Mark's engineering background. Mm-hmm. But um, he, he was kind of trying to lead him in the right way of these these scientific, not theories, but concepts um, yeah. in, in baseball pitching. You don't necessarily need to understand it to be good at it or to be an expert it was, at it. Yeah, it was just super cool at to that, see like, Deep of a scientific Both of those world. worlds kind of blend together, though, like baseball, baseball mm-hmm. background in like science and engineering. So do you guys know, does, does Mark have any sort of baseball experience really besides like the backyard 
wiffle ball like he showed in that video in the neighborhood, or is he just like uh, was he like a high school baseball player? Do we know? I think he said he just played baseball as like a kid growing up, like he was on like a little yeah. league team that okay. kind of thing, but never like into high school. Definitely not college, but just you know, his swing wasn't bad. I know. No. I was gonna say, I'll, wasn't we, bad. We'll probably get into this in the Oklahoma shoot, but we were throwing him some great pitches, <laughs> and he was putting you know bat on ball. Mm-hmm. He wasn't looking too bad, so I was like, you probably played in your, in your day. The pitching needed some work, but the, the hitting was good. I was impressed too because. The more he saw it, like you were throwing him sliders, and, and he started to, to, to whack him a little bit. Yeah, guy, guy had my number at the end of the day. I was getting he a little did. nervous. I was like, I don't think I can get the ball past this guy anymore. So. Mm-hmm. so, yeah, that was special. It was cool to see the footage from that event that you guys did in California event, I guess I should say. I should say, shoot. Series of there. events. Series of events, yes. Yeah, so it was, we didn't really even go through yet. So it was San Francisco. What was next? Okay, so yeah, after we filmed with the Giants and their staff, we went back to Crunch Labs, which was also super cool. I think the funniest thing, me and Kyle were blown by this. Like, when you, he's like, so his like lab, it's literally yeah, a, lab. a lab. Crunch Labs is a lab. Yeah. And it was like, they have it disguised as what was it? A, sh- a shell? I, I don't know if we should say what it's disguised uh, as. Yeah, I would say but it was disguised. It was disguised as. as a very plain type of store that you would not suspect anything being in the other on the other side of. And then if you, of course, go through these like hidden doors. Like one of them's like a vending machine. He, he's made multiple videos <laughs> yeah, about this. I think he's, he showcased that. One before. of them's a vending machine, and you have some combination that opens the door. And then the other one's very Batman like, where if you like turn the head on the owl, <laughs> the door opens. <laughs> so it's unbelievable. And yeah, we shot that um, for a couple hours. We kind of did some slow mo shots of me and Jimmy's riser or uh, sliders and screwballs. Those were cool. That was one of my favorite parts when me and Kyle were just watching every video back that they were taking. Like that was so cool. The ball <laughs> coming in it. Like on like so slow, you could see the every movement, ever the spin on the ball. It these, was so. These sick. cameras were like literally like thousands of frames per second. Mm-hmm. It was unreal. That yeah. was crazy. I like the shot of he only showcased a couple of them in the video, but yeah, mm-hmm. like Kyle's screwball and then your slider, and it was cool just seeing the holes beautifully. Yeah, it's yeah. like poetry. Yeah, he was very interested by that, just the aerodynamics of the ball and like uh, a new ball versus scuffed and why they move the direction they do and mm-hmm. why there's a difference in them. I thought that was super cool. Well, that was a big thing for us too, is because as soon as we got, uh, as soon as we were contacted about this shoot, we were like, "What's he doing? Like, why does he want us? What is it? Wiffle ball? Is it sports in general? We had no idea. Yeah. So we kind of were suspicious that like it was going to go into the science of why. Wiffle ball moves the way it does, mm-hmm. but it was cool to see it thoroughly explained because uh, I think we all had our suspicions as to why it did what it did, but yep. to yep. hear Mark talk about it, I was like, okay, we were, we were right. <laughs> so after the crunch labs, what'd you do? Yeah, then we ended up going to Stanford to talk about them pitching baseballs, and they threw baseballs with seams, they threw baseballs without seams, so Mark could figure out the different signs between that, and that was funny too, because like when they were getting ready to go to Stanford, like our flight was also kind of starting to approach for us to go home, and I was like, mm-hmm. I kept looking at Kyle, I was like, are we like going, are we a part of this, and then Mark, pretty sure enough, Josh was like, yeah guys, come on, I'm taking you, and I was like, oh, alright, so we're going, that was super cool too, the Stanford guys were really cool too, and they were like, they were very interested in wiffle ball right away. I want to, I, I want to shout out the catcher's name. I, so I don't funny. remember his name, but he was funny. He goes, are you guys on Instagram? Followed us right away. <laughs> he was super funny. So he was cool too. And those guys had a blast playing with us. And it was cool watching them pitch. Cause I mean, these guys they had a couple of lefties who were just throwing baseballs 93 miles an hour. Like it was nothing. What was the name of that hitter, the lefty that, that chucked the bat. Cause he struck out after you were like during the swing, yeah. he, he was like thrown off by your screwball or whatever, or your slider. I don't know either, but apparently they said he was like a top prospect. Yeah, like he's a big prospect. Like he'll be on a draft board. So that was cool too. So we'll have to figure out his name for sure and keep an eye on him. But yeah, yeah all I'll, super cool guys. So we should figure that one out. Was that there was a pitch that was shown from a baseball that like almost hit a camera? Was that scripted or was that on accident? Oh, from the Stanford guy? Yeah. No, that completely was real. Like, God, it, that just, looked sketchy. I know he that. Was, that was him throwing the ball without the seams too. So he was oh. trying to throw his breaking ball and he was expecting it to come yeah, down, it and it just stayed right there and almost drilled that expensive. I, I remember I Mark's like, reaction to that. He was just like pacing back there. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. If the no seam ball that would happen because yeah. the catcher also looked thrown off too. Yes, yeah. he didn't even come close to catching it. And I was like, "What happened here?" Yeah, it was like he was crossed up. It was like the catcher was expecting a curveball. Yeah. Pitcher threw a fastball. Yeah, basically, it's when the umpire gets drilled in baseball. Yes, <laughs> right. But uh, did that conclude the hectic day? Yep, pretty much. It was That's a quick. It, it was right. quick. It was long. It was tiring, but definitely Sh- had a lot of fun. It was definitely worth it. Too. Shout out to Josh for driving us everywhere. Yeah, Josh we literally went. Man. Yeah, it was. It was just Oracle Park, Crunch Labs, Stanford, back to the airport, and that was the day. Yeah, that is a long day. <laughs> so, but you stayed in a hotel the night prior, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you had time to reset at least. Imagine if you flew in that morning. <laughs> yeah, maybe I said that a little wrong in the, in, in initially, but yeah. It, it was one night, full day, and then back a night for a red eye back to Michigan. Yeah, red eyes are tough. That I'll give you. Um, but that's cool. I was mostly jealous that you guys got to do the uh, the Crunch Labs portion. That that looked cool. That's I know, that's pretty insane. Yeah. Not a lot of people can get in there. And what was cool, too, is we saw the wall of all the people that were in there, and mm-hmm. the, the YouTubers consists of you know mr beast colin samir uh marquez brownlee like all these guys i really look up to so Mm -hmm. to be on the same wall to sign that wall was like super cool and 
to kind of also take in all their quirks and they had a bunch of like pressurized like guns to try to like win money and like all the all these cool things and they had like a museum of all their previous inventions like going through that uh, it, almost like a real tour was like super cool for me too did you get to see any not that you should spoil it here but did you get to see into any future videos anything in the works in there that you guys saw that maybe you shouldn't have seen or no not really. They were making. They were making something. They, but I couldn't really. I, they, my dude, little mind you can't walk, comprehend what they're. You making walk out. in and it looks like an evil lab. Like you have guys soldering. You guys have. You have editing. You have woodworking going on. It's like such a cool, like, tr a truly just a, a, a studio slash warehouse where everything is catered towards YouTube videos, and that's like the the creator's dream right there. Like we talked about it when we shot with We Got Ice, where mm -hmm. everything's catered towards just creating content and videos for the, for their YouTube channel. It's kind of a similar vibe for for Crunch Labs, except this is just like a unreal scale of just engineers and people with these insane scientific backgrounds coming together for for YouTube, which is like one of a kind. Yeah, I'm uh, working on something that cracks me up, <laughs> but you saw it, so it's interesting because he doesn't upload that that often, but I'm sure he's working pretty far and ahead. This came together pretty quick, though. I think we first got that email in March, February, maybe something like that. I want to say March. Yeah, no, 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 February, February, March. <laughs> it was somewhere in there so it happened kind of fast and uh for those of you that came out and saw it obviously you guys knew and i appreciate all you guys who kept it under wraps i think this one was a big surprise for everybody it was it somehow was. it didn't get leaked i don't yeah, know shout out to the fans from oklahoma specifically that kept it under wraps i was shocked i thought for sure i'd be seeing murmurs i did see a couple there were some tiktok comments that were like i heard you guys were with mark rober and i was like what how did whatever so i just deleted them not that it was a huge deal if someone found out but i, I thought it was cool how it was a pretty well-kept secret, and I wanted you guys to be have that shock factor when we saw us post and him post and mm -hmm. watch the video. So One thing, Tommy, too, about um, things being planned in advance at Crunch Labs, they actually did tell us how many videos were being worked on for, mm -hmm. like, years in advance, and take a guess on how many videos were being worked on, whether that's inventions or editing or the, um, going through the creative process for, for upcoming videos for them. Probably, like, six to eight, I would guess. Do you want to know what they told us? What? Fourteen. 14 that's unreal that's crazy because <laughs> yeah because he doesn't post more than yeah, once a month exactly so that's, so that's farther like over, than a year yeah over yeah. a year worth of videos that's they crazy bro ridiculous. i would have guessed like probably six months or so but i guess it makes sense but the reason i'm surprised that number's so high is because like i said we were contacting so late yeah for this one so i wonder when the idea was sparked and when they actually like started taking action on it because it seemed like this one happened pretty quickly i'm not sure I'm not sure I'm not the logistics there. Maybe, maybe they saw a gap and they were like, we need to fill that gap. Let's call Jimmy and <laughs> well, Kyle. Yeah. If you're working on longer videos that take more time to right. coordinate, I guess, yeah, you might need to figure out a That's, way to plug something in. Yeah. Plus with engineering too, it's like there's there's not, there's not a certain boundary of when, when you can accomplish a certain uh, invention, you know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like some might take longer than others. You know, that's such a weird logistical battle to kind of navigate, I guess. Mm -hmm. Speaking of inventions too, from what I've seen, you know, he's collaborated with a couple different sports, a couple different athletes, and it's usually like one mechanism, one machine. So I was surprised when he came up with like all this different mm -hmm. stuff for our, our shoot specifically. Um, I think the base was probably the funniest yeah. thing. The base <laughs> was really me. funny. It was cool. When I uh, we walked out for the for night two of the shoot, I remember like, why are me and Jimmy being walnut-sized brains? Like, why are the bases different tonight? <laughs> 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 of course. So that's stupid. But yeah, the first night we didn't have those those special bases out there. But it was funny having him like him driving it around and like him smiling ear to ear. It was it was funny. And the people that were in attendance, I think, enjoyed that the most too. Probably he was watching the and dude, the huge shout around. out to Nurk, who I believe you're going to be getting on this podcast today. Yeah. Those drone shots in that video, mm -hmm. unbelievable. Especially the ones coming from center field and almost being right behind the ball on, on your pitches were, were just some of the best drone shots I've ever seen. Yeah, was that distracting when the drone was flying in when you're trying to throw? That was a weird feeling, Tom. So, yeah, the drone that Nurk was flying would start in center field, and he'd, like, count me down. He'd go three, two, one. <laughs> yeah. And with his headset on. One, I'm supposed to, like, pick up my left yeah. leg yeah. to start my motion, and then all of a sudden, boom, a drone <laughs> just shoots at, like, 50 miles an hour right like under my right arm and in between my right leg, and it's right there, so you know it's coming. So it was definitely a weird feeling. I did kick the drone once, so sorry, <laughs> sorry, Nurk. I hope your drone's doing all right. Dude, but that, that was, was so cool witnessing him with the the goggles on, just like operating, just like sitting down. That is funny. Like, he's just locked him. in. Like he's like three, two, and he's just staring like into his goggles, and he's so dialed in. And drone just comes flying in full it was speed. So sick. But yeah, that was one of the cooler parts of the shoot too. And we didn't see that coming. We didn't know until we met mark that day he's like we're bringing in a really like high world-class drone pilot for this shoot and we're like oh that's pretty cool but yeah. i didn't appreciate that until i saw it but that was a funny story too meeting mark in the hotel lobby 
not my best moment. You want to tell that? I, it's just it's my funny. luck. It's just funny because like, it's I Tom. Worst luck, I swear. <laughs> well, for some you reason, Tom, what he said too when he when he met us, the first things he said, like where he just came from. Go through oh, it all. Go through it all. Yeah. 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 So we uh we roll up at Shangri La. We arrived. We flew in that day. Drove from the airport. Probably got there at like three or four. Yep. Sounds about right. And. We've been working like dogs, Jim. Me and Kyle were exhausted. It's been a long few weeks with our own videos, plus the logistics of this one then came into play, which we weren't expecting and anticipating. So it was so, so hectic, April. And I'm used to Oklahoma being when we're there like 95 degrees, super hot every day. So I was expecting that. We checked the weather for the weekend, and it was like when we arrived, it was like 70, and then a steep drop-off for Saturday was like a high of 59, Sunday even colder, and the nights were freezing. Like... um. I think it was like 49 degrees that one night we were out there. It was, it was cold. Yeah. So I'm like, boys, when we get there, we should all go swimming right away, <laughs> catch some sun. We've been in Michigan cold this whole winter. So let's all get to the hotel rooms, throw on our suits and go to the pool. And I feel like I wasn't rejected on that idea when we were driving to the airport, but no one said anything, I guess. So what do I do? I go back to the hotel room, throw on my swimsuit, and we walk down to the lobby to go swimming. Well, then Kyle's like, I'm going to give these guys a tour of the place. And I was like, I thought we were going swimming. I look around. No one else is wearing a bathing suit. And I was like, what the heck? I guess we're not going swimming. So then we start to walk out towards the wiffle ball field in the arcade and, and the anchor. And then the Crunch Labs crew with all their hoodies comes walking in. And then there's Mark. And I'm like, I'm wearing a bright orange bathing suit here. I look like an absolute moron. This is great. And he gave us all handshakes. And it was funny. But, uh, yeah, I was a little bit embarrassed. Uh, he probably didn't even notice. But I thought it was funny. But he said, yeah, when we got met him. Um, he was nice. He introduced, he already knew you guys from the previous shoot, but me, Alec and Baron we introduced ourselves and he's like, you guys get in. Okay. We're like, yeah. How about you? He's like, Oh, I'm tired. He's like, last time I was with Elon Musk at the rocket launch. <laughs> We're like, okay, that's kind of funny, but, uh, probably, probably, um, just another day in the life for him. Cause he hangs out with Jimmy Kimmel, Elon Musk, apparently other top tier YouTubers done with dude perfect before, but we're like Elon Musk one night and then us the next, probably a big downgrade for him. <laughs> but I think he enjoyed the shoot. I thought it was fun for everybody. And I think, I think so. his team enjoyed it as well. Yeah, shout out to his team. They're all cool too. His team was awesome. Big Pro fan of Mark Rover's from team. Producers to writers to camera people, they all have a good crew going. Yeah, it was it was a solid crew. A dedicated crew. Those were long shoots, long nights for right. sure. Yep. But yeah, that was how I met Mark Rober in the in the in the bathing suit. So I promptly went back. They walked away and I ran back to the hotel and changed <laughs> and came back out because I was embarrassed. <laughs> But never got to swim, never got to tan at all. That's that's how she goes. I wasn't going to swim. So I, my, my skin would get dry. We had to shoot that night. I wasn't going to get my skin dry. Yeah, we had like four hours. It was cold, though. It was That was the one window we had because it was like 70. But yeah, the next day I didn't swim. It was way too cold. But after that, yeah, we set, we showed them around. We started filming. And the first night um, was more casual of him like trying to play without his contraptions. And the night two was the contraption night where we gave him his own jersey and that and really took him in. And me, Jimmy, and Baron, the opposing team, or me, you, and Warda. Warda. Yeah, we didn't know what the contraptions were. You kind of, you sort of knew what was coming, but not fully. One of the, the other yeah, producers kind of briefed me about what they were mm -hmm. just so we could kind of expect how to kind of shoot it. But mm -hmm. we wanted, there were some aspects where we wanted you guys to have full, like, real reactions to what those actually yeah. were. So. Yeah, which was cool. But I remember, like you said, you're hearing murmurs, didn't know exactly what was happening. You're like, oh, yeah, I think he has a drone ball. And I was like, oh, geez, that's going to be insane. How am I going to hit this ball if he's, like, remote controlling it on the way? So, anyway, I step in the first night to hit, and it was the one ball that shot the mass out the side as the little brass yep. uh, tube. And, yeah, I took a swing and, and nailed this thing because, um, like, the brass shot out later than he wanted it to on that first try. He fixed it. And I hit it, and he looked so surprised and, like, irritated. Like, he thought I would have no chance. And I was like, oh, gosh, I, I, I just break his thing. But luckily, he had more of them. And then, like I said, he modified it to where the brass would eject earlier. So then I couldn't hit it. It was impossible after that. But um, it was kind of awkward at first. I was like, oh, geez, I just break something. <laughs> yeah, not even five minutes in. Now they, yeah, right sure. on the first night, right away. No, they, came, they came prepared. I felt like they had multiple for, like, all of their inventions. They, they did, yeah. He had multiple of those balls. He had multiple of the little drone balls. It was funny seeing those things flying around. Bases he had a couple of. <laughs> I think we actually got a base to keep, didn't we? we yeah, we did. Yet. Yeah, yeah. Brendan took it home. Yeah, Brendan Schultz has it. I like the rocket launcher from right field. That yeah, was one of my personal favorites. That was so sketchy. Once again, I'm getting thrown <laughs> into the worst spot. It came in at 113 miles yeah, per hour. I no, think. 130. 130. One, the he didn't show the gun in the video, guys. But the pocket radar said 129. Yep. On that. And you and were the one. Yeah, he's like, home. he's like, all right, 
He's like, well, they're like, something's going to happen here if it gets hit to right field, so be aware. And I was like, okay. And sure enough, the ball goes into right, and I'm running home, and then boom, this, like, it almost killed me. If that would have hit me, that would have hurt so bad. Oh, uh, you probably have, like, a permanent pellet there on your arm. You probably would have drew blood, I would assume. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, do you think I'm wrong or no? I don't know. Yes. It would have yes. blood. Yes. It just became really red. It's not drawn blood. I don't know. If it hit you right, if it was scuffed. You got a couple layers on too. Well, yeah, maybe maybe bare skin. Maybe I don't know. Funny enough, I was hitting with uh, Brendan. It, it would be you though. Brendan Davenport was throwing me a ball that was had had a little like crack in it. It must have hit me perfectly on my like I pulled my arm back and it sliced my finger. I was Drew bleeding blood. in practice. Yeah, so that was at seventy. Imagine at one thirty, Jim. I think there would have been some damage there, but it was a perfect shot. I was shocked that he actually pulled it off. When I saw him getting the cannon, I was like, "What is happening?" <laughs> and then boom, it was so accurate. But yeah, it was one hundred and twenty nine. I think. Wild. And then he said, like, yeah, at the Crunch Lab, we got up to 130. I was like, well, that was perfect then if you guys pulled that off. But I was shocked by the accuracy of that thing. The little, uh, what did he call it, the Demogorgon? Yeah, the Demogorgon was that cool. Was, that was cool, too. And that one, it was funny because the way it was, however it was set up, like, the radar gun could read the, the propellers on that, or what would you mm-hmm. call those, like, the, the guns? I don't know. Not cool, yeah. But, but it, it was just going crazy. Yeah, the, the radar, radar was, like, popping up with different numbers as whenever he turned the thing on, so I found that pretty interesting, too. Yeah. yeah. But once again, he was also... Highly and surprisingly accurate with that little machine as well. Mm-hmm. He was. But and, he, and once again, good wiffle ball hitter. I was throwing a bunch of risers to get a certain shot, and he was just putting bat on ball. Yeah, you guys definitely pitched. Poor Jim and Kyle threw so many pitches. Yeah. Because for the drone shots, we wanted to make sure we got like really cool shots of those pitches. So that was when we did multiple times. But We probably threw hundreds and hundreds of oh, pitches. Oh, yeah, I was definitely us. over 400 pitches. Jim was <laughs> dead. And it was funny, too, because after a while, Mark started to like, like the way my drop ball looked. And honestly, <laughs> that's the pitch I probably... Like you know, put the most oh, stress on so my elbow. It was, and and it's, it's funny too like, because Jim, go back out there. Because Rover was calling my uh, my drop ball a sinker. He would call it a sinker, and so he'd be like, "Oh, or Norp. dropper, yeah, dropper, dropper or sinker." He goes, "Norp, give me one of those nasty yes. droppers again." And here I am, like four hundred pitches yes. in, and I look over at Tom, and Tom goes, "Yeah, Jim, just give him another one of those nasty droppers." And I'm like, "All right." That, that, I found that hilarious too because poor Jim's dead out there and Mark's like just give me a nasty drop ball right now and I was like oh my god this poor guy yeah. but you did it you, you managed you survived I survived how's the arm any permanent damage oh we're we're living large now Tom living it's beautiful large. good good living like Larry but like Larry. it was definitely a bit of a surreal shoot uh went quick like a lot like you guys uh dated in California it sounds like Oklahoma was hectic and we didn't really get to like socialize a whole lot but once we finished filming at like 2 a.m. the one night, we just packed up and went straight to the airport, which was a very tiring drive. Yeah, shout out to yeah, I don't know how you made that drive. We all fell asleep in the car. Yeah. Gave Were Tom you caffeinated? No, no Did we help. get you like a Mountain Dew or something? I forget. No, I didn't get no Mountain Dew. I just stay up. I don't know. Cause you had coffee. You had a coffee. I did. I didn't help, though. Coffee never helps me. That's, it was caffeinated. Warda brewed you a nice coffee. Warda brewed me <laughs> a cup, cup of coffee in the hotel room. But yeah, I was tired. And uh, I was... Not skeptical. I don't know what the right word is. I, I was not like, I was super excited that we did that and that we met him and had that experience. But I was like, I'm not going to be thrilled until I see this video on my YouTube feed. <laughs> and finally, we can say that's true. Yeah, I'll say one thing. My, my The coolest thing I think I took from this entire shoot was just how many different aspects and angles they will attack this video from. Like they didn't need to include the Stanford part or, or the Crunch Lab slow-mo shots. Um, and then he, he goes in depth with almost like, um, some animated aspects like the way he is able to incorporate so many different elements into the video I think appeals to a wide variety of people and can can just make the the video so much more rounded um, And I think that was the coolest part I took from it just it's something I might take from uh for, from him and to apply to MLW stuff this year mm-hmm. We were also trying to guess like the title and the thumbnail and that kind of thing like yeah. intro dialogue um, So it was cool to just it was cool to see how he actually approached it after seeing what we filmed and what shots he was getting and like seeing him take thumbnail pictures. We didn't really know how the final product would look. So it was interesting to see what Mark, who's clearly very successful and what yep. knows what he's doing. Yeah. It was cool to see what actually ended up being produced and, and output. Yep. But they, they, they nailed it with the, the thumbnail and title. Just mm-hmm. to give, give it a wide yeah. mass appeal of, of a baseball being the, the picture on the thumbnail. I think it was a really good idea. That's a good thumbnail. I yeah. agree. We, we didn't predict that, but it was cool. And um, yeah. even you, the title too. It was this ball's impossible to hit, right? Like I yeah. see that. I'm great clicking title. on that for sure. I'm we were, clicking on we that were thinking if I don't like know who MLW is. <laughs> we, we were thinking like yeah, how which in hindsight we're stupid, but we were like it'd be how or I I beat pro football players using science or something like that. I was think one of our guesses. I think one of our guesses was like using five contraptions to beat pro with football players or something like that or like beating pro with football players with science. Yeah, because he had like an arcade video. Um, I want to say a couple mm-hmm. months ago where it was like. 
five tricks to defeat arcade games or something like that like that with, with science using science yeah, yeah using, using science. science was in the title and those videos did did really well mm-hmm. this one i feel like had a it had the science element to it but it also had like his childhood incorporated into it which was cool it was definitely a, a, a i've seen a lot of his videos but it was definitely like a well-rounded story compared right to other ones that was, was different that was super sick too how he kind of complimented his past videos with our 2010 and 2011 videos like mm-hmm. he really went into Which our, is not his typical style, though. Right, so that's why I'm surprised. Into the 2010, 2011 archive. Um, I sent him a couple of clips, but he probably for sure saw like our 2010 and 2011, 2012 playlists. Mm-hmm. So he, he had some clips where we were raising up our 2012 homemade trophy, um, perfect game in 2010. Like mm-hmm. it was just super cool for him to honor the uh, the very beginnings of MLW. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the final product, Jim? I mean, it was perfect. I think one thing that makes Mark Mark and why he's so successful, his storytelling is crazy, too. Yeah, like, he just tells his story so well. So he did a super good job. The final product was better than I could ever imagine, too, so it was super cool to see it all come together. I was trying to explain that to my parents when we were going down there trying to figure out what was happening. I was like, he's just really good at telling stories and has, like, that perfect... Like, his voice was just built for YouTube, I feel like, and um, his like he's just got it all figured out in terms of, like, his audience, his target, the way he speaks, the way he presents the stuff with the animations and the storytelling. It's all just... It's it's, it's a science. I, I will say it is a science from him, too. But, um, yeah, all I can say is we're, we're thankful. We're grateful for the opportunity. We're, we're happy that the video is out and in the world and you guys can see it. And... Uh, we can never we can never repay Mark for what he did for us. Yeah, once again, thank you, Mark Rober and the whole squad. That experience entirely was surreal. And for us five MLW guys to be a part of that was just something I couldn't have couldn't even have imagined coming into this year. Like we had the SoFi thing last year and like to collaborate with a truly an A list YouTuber like this this year was just something I couldn't have dreamed of, you know, happening this quickly, but I'm so happy it did. And um, once again, thank you to Mark and the whole crew. Well, yeah, especially because once again, we're like, why is Mark making a wiffle ball video? It was so out of the blue. It was, And I was like, is this email even real? <laughs> like it was so out of the blue, but once again, so grateful. And I feel like everything happens for a reason, I guess. We were, like I said, we were grinding so hard and it felt good to get just, you know, a, a lucky thing that went our way, but we're definitely happy to be a part of it. Yep. I think it's a good lesson for us as well to where it's like, Stick true to what we do, and you never know who's going to be watching, and you never know what's going to come from just us producing our content the way we do. Mm-hmm. And Jim got to be the main character for all of it. Congratulations, Jim. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> the Norpedo. I do feel a little bad, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Don't feel bad. You deserve it. But uh, yeah, unreal experience. Thank you, Mark and team. And team. And team. Included in that team was, uh, as you guys saw in the thumbnail here, Nurk, or aka Nurk FPV. Uh, who is a professional drone operator. This guy has won the Drone Racing League, which may may or may not have seen on TV. He's done his own YouTube videos. He's done other cinematic stuff. He's worked with Mark many times. So uh, super nice guy, very approachable. I had the chance to chat with him in between some of the scenes uh, out in Oklahoma, and uh, I felt comfortable enough to ask him if he'd want to come on our podcast since he falls in that niche sport kind of weird thing, a lot like we do, and he was down, so... Uh, I had the chance to chat with him for about a half hour, and I want to show that to you guys right now. So let's get into the Nurk interview. Okay, and at this time, it is now time to welcome onto the show Paul Nurkula. Paul, you are the man in the drone community. You are the man when it comes to flying those things. And I'm so excited we had you on the show and got you on the show today and making time for us. So thank you for that. And uh, so I had to share your story with the world and learn about it myself, too. Yes, yeah, it's, it's my pleasure. Like I, I've I had seen you guys on Instagram and TikTok, you know, a while back. We finally got to meet over the project that that we got to collaborate on. But like, you know, as as someone that's kind of participated and participating in a a niche sport, kind of seeing you guys do your thing at the same time was really exciting. So I'm really excited for this conversation because I think I'm going to ask you as many questions as, as you're going to try to ask me. So <laughs> it's 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 going to be fun to kind of find the find where the two co- mm-hmm. correlate. Yeah, well, that's why. Ways. Yeah, I kind of figured you'd be a perfect guest for our audience because, like you said, it's the niche sport thing, right? I think our audience is very much into wiffle ball being kind of this underground thing, cool, quirky sport. And what you do probably doesn't have as much light on it as it should, but it's awesome. And witnessing it in person is what really gave me the further appreciation for it because I had seen it on TV unknowing that you were actually on the show for a while there in the racing show. Mm -hmm. And it always kind of sparked curiosity in me, but it's hard to really get a sense of how quickly things are moving and how tight the windows are that the drones are flying through. So I gained a whole new appreciation for what you do when I was watching you, you know, inches from my face filming me during that Mark Rober video. Yeah. It's, it's funny you've put it that way. Cause it's like, you know, in, in a lot of ways, 
it's you know niche sports like drone racing like wiffle ball it's it's harder for people to grasp just how good the individuals are at it because it's not something that they have ever really done right you can appreciate how well someone can drive a car because you've driven a car you know roughly how hard it is to put it you know in the upper 90 of a soccer goal because you've kicked a ball before like you you can mm-hmm. understand you can you can extrapolate from your level of skill to where it is but like not everybody has picked up a bat and swung at a wiffle ball not everybody's flown a performance drone and so like like you're saying like it, it's it's hard for people to see like we're, we're not just messing around you yeah. you and i right like mm-hmm. it's it takes a lot of legitimate practice to go for these things and get it so having someone come in and see in person is such a i think and i think for both of us like a, a big game changer is that people get to see like oh this is wild <laughs> <laughs> well yeah and even more so on your end because the barriers to entry for wiffle ball are a lot lower i think a lot of people have played baseball and a lot of people have $7 laying around where they can go to their local sporting goods store and buy themselves a bat and a ball and give it a shot if they've seen our stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas entering the drone space and the drone piloting space requires money, requires time, it requires a space and you know many precautions and hoops to jump through to even do that. So that's what I want to know from you is what even inspired you to explore that hobby in the first place? I know because we started with football when we were really young. And I think mm-hmm. you were a little bit older. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what made you want to get into it in the first place? Well, so, you know, I, I would like to say that RC was part of my whole RC being like radio control has yeah. been a part of my life, but like it never really was like my, my dad actually is really like bad vision in one eye. So he doesn't have good depth perception. So that was like never something that he did, which, you know, most of my friends, it's like, oh, I've been flying RC planes with my dad since I was two didn't have that opportunity um so when my in-laws so my wife's parents got me a toy drone for christmas of 2014 that was like the first time that i had like my own rc thing that i got to mess around with um and you know just fell in love with it immediately flew it as much as i could broke it within the first day and when i was trying to figure (laughs) out how to fix it uh i stumbled across videos of drone racing and it's uh it was a video of these guys in a forest in france flying uh drones with like gopros and leds on them and it just looked like pod racing like straight up star wars sort of stuff and i I remember like the day i was sitting at work supposed to be working uh and saw (laughs) and saw drones drone racing for the first time and and it was just it was not a uh like oh that would be fun it's i have to try that um and and so i got super hooked just from uh, a gift from my in-laws that's so cool so wanting to try it and actually trying it as two different things though like what do you actually do then to train to become a drone racer because i have no idea where i'd even start besides i mean i'd I'd go to youtube go to google and that kind of thing but i don't know what it takes to make it in that industry that you've made it in at the highest level so what did you what did you do from that first day seeing the video and then what's the what's day two what's day three right yeah so my my path is different than it would be today um so at, at that time you know this was pretty early days of drone racing and fpv fpv being first person view so the types of drones that we're talking about you wear a pair of goggles over your eyes and you see from the perspective of the drone so it's first person mm-hmm. view uh drones and um i'm not saying i was early there, there were people flying fpv way long before me it just it wasn't kind of in the in the zeitgeist at that time and what i did was you know built a drone went out maybe got two batteries you know 10 minutes worth of flying before i crashed it broke all my stuff had to go home repair it go back out and do it again now like and this is day after day after day after day of just like getting new arms uh for like the drone frame getting new motors getting new propellers all that stuff and just continually breaking stuff until i was good (laughs) enough to not crash every flight Uh uh-huh But once you get to the point where you're not crashing every flight, you start to want to improve. So you start pushing the boundaries and you start crashing again every flight and the crashes are now worse because you're going faster and it just like it just kind of escalates. So that was my path. I just broke everything over and over again until I I mean, I still just break everything like, you know, (laughs) it's because even today it's like, well, I could try to push it a little bit harder and and get a slightly better shot or go a little bit faster or whatever um, and things break. Um people that are learning to fly today have the benefit of simulators. So you can mm. download a, you know, essentially a computer game 
take the controller that you would use to fly the drone, plug it in via USB and fly a virtual drone that you are welcome to crash as many times as you like mm-hmm. for free. And you click a button and it magically appears back on screen and you start flying again. So I wish I would have had that opportunity uh, when I was learning to fly. I didn't. Um, so I just had to go through the the blood, sweat and tears brute force method. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I broke a lot of drones. That was my that was my way of getting better at flying drones. Yeah, but I wonder if you had went the simulator route. I wonder if your drive would have been the same because I feel like the the sense of accomplishment is not there as much when it's not actually in real life. And I feel like your your benefit of doing it and having to repair things, you probably learned a lot too, learned a lot about drones. I'm sure that helped your knowledge there. So I don't know. I think the physical space and you having to invest the money and that kind of thing, I feel like there's a benefit to that, in my opinion, but I'm sure it works different for everybody. No, absolutely. And like for people that are learning to sim, learning to fly drones on the sim, I always encourage them to get out in real life as soon as possible, right? Because there's mm-hmm. variables that the sim can't do, like, you know, wind or uh you know just like tree branches moving stuff like that like you just don't expect things things that you don't expect happen in the real world that don't happen on the sim but it seems like the people that have gotten very good at the sim can switch over into the uh analog world really well uh so you know i'm not going to bash one way or the other i but i you know and i i think but, but I'm grateful for the path that I had. I loved the yeah. path that I had. It gave me an opportunity to start a YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, the reason that I did it was to like, oh, I had this problem today. Here's how I solved it. And I just made a video about that. And that helped other people. So I kept yeah. doing it. So it's it's not, uh, you know, I'm, I love the path that I had. I still wish I had simulators available because it would have saved yeah. me a lot of money. Yeah, I did read on your website about how I think you really weren't into the videography side and the filmmaking side prior to your uh, drone piloting years. Mm-hmm. But so the YouTube was inspired, it sounds like more so on like a how-to basis and trying to grow the community. That's what initially got you going there. Yeah, hundred percent. I never thought of myself as like a creative person. So kind of just to kind of for the audience, you know, I've kind of graduated a little bit from hardcore like I'm all I'm doing is drone racing but I also use drones to film stuff now mm-hmm. so that could be anything that could be for a movie or a commercial or uh, a YouTube video whatever it is but I never had a, a I, I would have said that I was not a creative person in mm-hmm. any way shape or form like you know people I would look at my wife who is a very talented painter and can play piano and sing and I'm like I can't do any of that so I'm not creative um but along the process of learning how to fly drones, I was making YouTube videos and those videos would like get slightly better and slightly better. And I'd be like, oh, I'll try this camera technique or play with this toy and have started to kind of fall in love with not just the operating a drone side, but also how do I film something well? How do I tell a story using this tool? That's uh, cool. Which is, you know, that's that's creative now. And and so, you know, I've kind of finally found a way to unlock my own personal creativity, which is, I mm-hmm. think, uh, probably a pretty fulfilling thing that i should have tried to figure out earlier and uh and then simultaneously it just also gives me the opportunity to really uh you know do something unique and different yeah i think it just changes a lot too throughout your life and wherever your interests and passions take you like i agree 100 percent from my own life as a kid growing up through my teenage years all i really cared about was sports i was a sports guy through and through if there was an nba regular season game on i was watching it even if i didn't care about the teams I, i watched every sport out there and throughout the years of just, you know, trying different things and getting more into the YouTube side of things, I feel like I have also like found that I do like to be creative too. And like, for example, my current favorite YouTuber is a kid who like paints and customizes shoes and does that kind of stuff. Like cool. I've, I've found a real new passion for the art side and the creative side of things. And now I watch significantly less sports. I still love sports, yeah. but it's just funny how things change over time. Mm-hmm. So I find that interesting that you experience the same thing in your own life. Absolutely. So you race, you do the, yep. you do your own YouTube channel, you film for other YouTubers like Mark, and we'll talk about the shoot we did together uh, shortly here. But is there a favorite? Like, what do you like most? You like the racing, filming, freestyling? I saw you won like freestyle of the year at one point. That that mm-hmm. video was incredible underneath the train and that kind yeah. of stuff. What do you enjoy the most? It's so it's definitely a compilation of all of the things. So you know, I I try not to pick one thing or the other. Um, I've had opportunities to just focus in on one of them where like, you know, somebody says like, Hey, we want you to do exclusively this. And I'll just be like, no, I'm mm-hmm. not interested in that because each thing kind of informs the other, right? The more that I race, the better I am at controlling the drone in a super precision manner, the better I'm at that, the more I can 
do good flying for filmmaking because I can fly the drone in a more precise way. But the more that I, you know, spend time working on my YouTube channel, the more unique techniques I learn to then figure out how to do better filming. And as I'm filming things, I get to tell the story about filming that thing through the YouTube channel. And you know, it's like <laughs> so cool. So so each of each piece I've purposefully and very intentionally like encouraged growth on each of them because I really find that they reward each other in that they each inform the other, they help push on the other part. And so, you know, I don't think that I would have, I don't think I would be where I am if I hadn't intentionally chased after each of those things and continue to do so, if that makes sense. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. That does make a lot of sense to me. I feel like it's probably also pretty refreshing to not have to focus on just racing and doing the same courses over and over and over mm -hmm. again, just to get better at that one single thing, which I know a lot of people do like to do. They just work towards one goal, but like what you're doing is probably a little bit more well-rounded and more sustainable throughout the course of your life, especially you have kids now. So I'm yeah. sure the work-life balance is tough. And there's no such thing. thing as balance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's work-life catching up with everything. Uh -huh. um, I, I think, you know, rather than saying like one thing or the other is my favorite, it's more about, you know, my favorite thing is figuring out how do I adapt this technology to do something cool. And that cool thing could be racing. That cool thing could be filming. That cool thing could be, um, you know, telling a story. But all of those things kind of work together to uh, achieve that common goal. And so it's not necessarily, you know, so that's my favorite part is seeing like, how can we adapt these technologies to do something cool and exciting each time we go out to do it, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, I'm sure when you first purchased the drone, it wasn't on your radar that you'd be one day filming pro wiffle ball players <laughs> pitch to no, Mark Rober. No, it was not. <laughs> no, it was not. So, I mean, let's talk a little bit about that. Or I guess to rewind a little bit, this was not your first time shooting for Mark, correct? Mm, no. When did you guys first connect and what was that first video you, you shot for him? And how well, did that even come together? How did he find you? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, so the day was January 20. If 2021, the day after my son was born, wow, <laughs> sitting in the <laughs> hospital, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, waiting to get discharged because mm -hmm. you have to be there for however many hours. Um, and I get a text from Ren from Corridor Digital, um, who's become a friend. Uh, they have they have a really successful YouTube channel called Corridor slash a second one called Corridor Crew. Um, he's actually cool. a VFX artist, but also interested in um, uh, FPV and drones and and drone filmmaking and stuff like that. And mm. he's like, "Hey, do you know who Mark Rober is? And do you want to film a video for him? Because I don't think I have the skills for what he needs." <laughs> and I was like, yes. And yes. Uh, when, where he's like, well, it's like a week from now. And I'm like, <laughs> my first child has just been born. Like, I don't think, I don't know if I can do this. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so I, I remember, uh, you know, like the, so fast forward to the next day, that's when we get discharged from the hospital. Um, actually I think I have my days wrong, but whatever. Uh, you get the idea. Yeah. Uh, literally within an hour of leaving the hospital like we're waiting for like the final piece of paperwork that we can sign and then just like actually leave my my yeah. phone rings and it comes up with caller id as mark rober and i hit decline because we're uh, like about to walk out the door uh -huh. i'm like this is not good i can't take this call right now and it <laughs> would set such a bad precedent if like i'm taking work calls as i'm trying to bring my kid home so yeah. uh which i told mark this story recently he thought it was hilarious That's he was funny. like i had no idea um so yeah i hung up on him didn't answer the phone he did text me like i was just like oh i'm screwing myself here Mm -hmm. A couple, you know, a couple of days later, we get on the phone, we work it all out. My in-laws were in town. So I was able to, I snuck away from the house for like, I think it was like 30 hours. I drove to Detroit and back. Um, and we oh, shot Detroit. the, uh, the, the Prater video, the Prater video. Wow. Yeah, where, okay. Yep. I know that was your first one. I knew you were there for that, but you weren't even allowed to film in Ford field. Were you for that? Right. We, so we stole some shots before they told us not to fly there. Okay. Um, so there are a few shots that made it in the video from, yes. Ford Field. Then uh when Prater came out, one of the managers or something was like, absolutely no drones on mm. the field while Prater's out, which totally get it. No big deal. And we we, you know, we not sure what changed, but like we had done all of the paperwork and talked to everybody that we needed to. And it was un you know, unfortunate that we couldn't do more in the moment. Uh, but we actually got to go get some 
shots of the football being kicked. Like that was the concept was that Mark was building a robot that could kick the football super far. Um, and, uh, went with, uh, went down to Indiana university, which is a, a big school. I don't know football like rankings, but I'm pretty sure I <laughs> is up school. there. Yeah. Is it a big 10 school? Okay. I wasn't gonna... power five school. Okay. I wasn't going to say that cause I didn't know that for a fact, but I was pretty sure it was. So like all four or five or however many kickers they have, uh, came out and were, you know, kicked them a few times for us. And we yeah, got I think a couple those good shots. shots of... Those shots did make the video. I remember yeah. saying. Which, so. which that was awesome. So I was really glad to be able to provide the same shot, even if it was completely out of context for Mark. And um, and that was the kind of the start of our uh, the opportunity to work for him uh, a cool. couple more times since then. So have you uh, learned a little bit from him for your own YouTube channel and your own YouTube endeavors? He's a really you know, good storyteller. That's what I admire about him the most. Yeah, absolutely. It, I think the thing that I learned the best from like directly um, participating in you know mark's sets and then really any youtuber set is just seeing how differently everybody goes about making their content um mm. for me like when i when i'm going out i try to get i try to film everything right there in that moment right like i'm trying to like do all of the talking head stuff where i'm like setting up the story and telling these things and oh i forgot to like record this moment and <laughs> da, 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 or you know i or i didn't get this b-roll shot i'm like it doesn't matter where you do it and when you do it as long as the story is cohesive so what the biggest thing that I learned from Mark was like, don't, if you don't need to, don't try to tell the whole story on the day. You know, he does such an amazing job of adding in like voiceover. Yep. Um, and, and I didn't, he, like, I didn't even realize how intentional that was until I heard him just be like, Oh, well, this is all going to be voiceover. And then we're going to come in and this is going to be the intro to this section. And it really freed, I think freed them up especially when they're doing something as complicated as like making a kicking machine or um, you know, when we did the, the one of the other videos that I worked with with him on was um, the giant elephant toothpaste uh, oh, cannon yeah. um, is it really freed them up to focus in on like doing the hard thing, which was, you know, actually making the things work, which in, in my YouTube videos is never nearly as hard, but like, it's still, you know, we still have to go get that shot or test this drone or do that thing. And that's the hard part, but then just throwing in some, and I'm not even saying like throwing in, like intentionally choosing to do VO later, mm -hmm. frees him up creatively to just be in the moment. And I was like, Oh, well that's, that really makes things more interesting and more exciting for you as a creative person that you don't have to be like stressing like did i get every single possible shot doesn't matter just do it you know you, you can figure it out later you know so uh it's it's open it's made me a little bit more comfortable with how i do the creative process by not worrying about getting everything on the day if that makes sense mm -hmm. we talked a lot about that too um it is we're trying to like figure out how we can adapt that same concept kind of to our videos too, because we mm -hmm. kind of film live sports. So it's a little bit trickier. Like we need mm -hmm. to get shots or we're not going to have a video, yeah. but right. for sure. And every, every different YouTuber or somebody to be learned, especially as someone as successful as uh, Mark Rober. So we definitely picked up on that as well. And it was cool just being alongside him and seeing his process, like you said, because everyone's a little bit different. Yeah. So, I mean, like he shoots, he shot half of the video of the wiffle ball on an iPhone. Yeah. You know, it's just that like, surprised me a lot. You know, I'm grabbing like big cameras and mm -hmm. like trying to do all this crazy stuff. He's just like, yeah, I just grabbed the phone. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, that's what I, I guess that's what I should be doing, you know? So yeah, it's, it's I mean, awesome. It, it's it just goes to prove, you know, for any low budget YouTuber out there, it's really, like I said, Mark's storytelling ability is so good. And that mix of voiceover and actual content that's filmed um, is incredible. I think that's really what's propelled him to be so successful along with his good ideas too and cool technology yeah, 100%. but i really really appreciate the storytelling aspect for sure so let's talk about that a little bit we go we meet you in oklahoma for the first time we i didn't even know you're gonna be there first of all yeah um, we we show up we meet mark um and we met him in the lobby and he's like by the way we're gonna have like the world's best drone pilot filming you guys and i was like oh that's awesome yeah. <laughs> once again didn't think too much of it until i actually saw you in flight because that's just incredible but uh, how did that shoot compare to filming footballs flying or, or filming nature? Like, were there any challenges that you encountered while filming us playing, pitching specifically? Because I know you were flying in at top speed from center field to get some of those shots. Was that any sort of a new challenge for you? Or were you able to kind of adapt that to other past experiences you've had? It's it's always fun to just to take 
a new subject and kind of figure out how do I best showcase it. Right. So mm-hmm. like, you know, with pro wiffle ball, I think the coolest part, especially because you have a rule on like the maximum speed you're allowed to throw mm-hmm. is you want to have as much movement as possible on the ball. Right. So mm-hmm. it makes it as hard as possible for someone to hit it um, from the pitching perspective. And so what like the goal of what we were doing was how do we show that the ball isn't just flying in a straight line as best we can and we figured super slow motion traveling with the ball and Mm -hmm. seeing it just go you know whatever crazy (laughs) movements it's doing yeah so so you know the the challenge and the excitement of of a new subject like that is how how do we best showcase your guys unique skills so like yeah it's Mm -hmm. cool that we have a drone shot but what we want to do is make the drone shot emphasize how you guys are does that make yeah. sense that's that's cool. the that's become the hardest part you know i could i i, I could fly the drone pretty well but if i'm not flying the drone purposefully if i'm mm-hmm. not emphasizing how sick you guys are then there's no point in me doing that does that make sense totally yeah I, i've heard that over the years too yeah don't use a drone shot just use a drone shot in your video yeah. make sure it's a purposeful drone shot I tell people very often that my job is talking people out of doing drone shots uh, so that <laughs> when they so that it, yeah, so that it's like, cause, cause they're like, they're like, Oh, we'll just use the drone for that. I'm like, yes, I I'm happy to have as, you know, have my drone be in as involved as much as I can because I want screen time. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's effectively the end result of anything that I'm doing. But if it's not the right tool, if it's not the best tool, it's also my responsibility to most often encourage them to go that direction. Yeah, now that's, that's cool. not always the case because often you don't, you don't ever like talk back to a director, but if there's an opportunity to say, I think it would be better if, um, or it, it would, it would better match your vision if, you know, stuff like that. So no, I, I totally agree. If it was me directing, you know, I always just want the best end result. And I think trusting people that are, the best at their profession is usually the right thing to do. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I would love that feedback if it was me personally. But um, now speaking about filming the pitches specifically, when you're flying the FPV drone and you're getting the super slow-mos and you're really close to guys like Jimmy and Kyle Schultz when they're pitching, is like, are you at all nervous about like hitting the players or hitting the guys? Or are you so confident in your flying ability that it doesn't even really cross your mind? Well, I did get kicked once while we were filming. <laughs> so, but that was, you know, an oversight in that uh I don't remember who it was, but he he his uh trail foot definitely kicked out a little yes. bit further than I thought. Yes. Um so, you know, the the when we're in close proximity, we choose drones that are very very safe. Um so the drone that okay. we use to get those shots are, you know, weighs only a few hundred grams, mm-hmm. uh, so less than a pound, uh and it all that it's all that there's there's a GoPro on it and it has a little protectors on the propellers and the propellers are so small that they can't really do damage um so you know we're intentionally choosing that tool based on the set of requirements that is get close to the pitcher um so we've we've pre-thought the safety so that in the moment we can focus in on getting that cool shot now he's i'm still aware of him i'm still thinking of him um but i'm not there's zero point where I, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a zero percent chance that I'm like, I'm going to accidentally hit him. It's, it's, he's going to ha- actually hit me. No, uh, but you know, so it's, it's, uh, so the safety is pre-thought and then it's, you know, it's, we pick the route based on what is going to be safe, what is going to get that shot um, and, and accomplish the balance of safety and, and getting the cool shot. My job as a drone operator is not to get the coolest shot possible. It's to safely operate the drone and then my second priority is how do I get a cool shot? <laughs> so okay. it's, uh, yeah. That's totally fair. And same thing, because like you said, you're thinking about a lot. And with the wiffle balls, at least, I know like the footballs had a long flight time through the air. But wiffle ball was pretty quick. Yeah. So you're coming in fast. The timing's tough. The thing that probably amazed me the most was when you brought the drone like around the zone every time in between the, the strike zone and the backstop. Cause that window was so small and you would yeah. take that turn so fast. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was curious while we were filming, cause I was standing out in left field watching you do this over and over again. And like are, when you're filming, when you're getting the shot of the pitch, are you able to like focus on getting the best shot possible there? Or are you already thinking about like, I got to turn this thing around. Or I'm going to crash type thing. I guess, how do you balance that? Or is it crashing even a concern? Or is it like, if I crash, I crash type thing? It's so when safety is not a concern, it's, it's definitely a, if I crash, I crash. 
it, okay. you know, if safety is a concern, then the, I'm definitely thinking more about the crashing situation. If that makes sense. Um, like if it was in, people behind instead of a plastic yeah, exactly, fence. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but uh, so in that case, I'm letting the timing do, do the shot for me. And mm-hmm. I'm just flying a repeatable flight route. So I'm just thinking, all I'm thinking about is, you know, I'm counting the three, two, one. I counted the three, two, one out loud. If I had yep. my uh, assistant with me, Winston, he would have been counting it out because he can judge it based on those things. Um, and then all I'm doing is I'm going to fly really fast past the pitcher's right foot. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to exit to the left by the thing without hitting the fence. Okay. So I'm not actually really thinking where's the ball because okay. I'm letting the timing handle that for me. Mm-hmm. And I know that if I have the drone going down this flight path, the ball is going to be in that shot. And then it's just a matter of repeating it until we get it to work. If that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. That's so cool. So, yeah. So I'm not like, I'm not I, uh, there's the, like you're saying, the moment is so short that I can't like film the ball, but mm-hmm. I can film the path the ball is supposed to be on. And if we get the timing right, then it's going to look sick. <laughs> yeah, so it's really just all about the timing, the yeah. timing aspect. Yeah. Yeah, so like I said, guys, if you if you couldn't tell, um, essentially, yeah, Nurk would have the drone beyond the center field fence there at Shangri-La. So into the darkness of the night, you would just see the little red and green lights on the drone. And the and blinky then, light for FAA safety. And the blinky light, I yes. need to call that one out. All the lights, <laughs> call it out. Yeah, I'm not the yeah. expert. You are. <laughs> and essentially, yeah, you have Nurk standing on the side of the field, and he has his, his goggles on. And then you just hear three, two, and Jimmy starts his windup, and then the drone just comes in full speed from beyond the fence and ends up like just above, I think, Jimmy's foot as the ball was being released. So the yep. timing was incredible, and I'm just sitting there in awe because I was not really a part of that. I was not actively a part of that those scenes, so I'm standing in left field, just like my jaw is dropping. Like, how is this even possible? Like I said, my mind was blown. That was... um Outside of observing Mark's work and seeing how he treated the video and, and his creative process, you you had my full attention <laughs> throughout the most of that that night shoot for sure because I thought it was so cool. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's such a blast, and and I I love working. I, I often get to, and I love working with athletes because the everything's about repeatability, about uh, tempo, about cadence, about you know those sort of things. So when I say three, two, one, I know that they're going to like, you know, be mostly through their windup at the right time to release the ball on go, you know? So it's like, so it makes it way easier to work with an athlete than with maybe somebody who's not got as much practice in that area. Um, Mm -hmm. especially when, you know, when it comes to tempo and, and that makes, that made it, I think, you know, I think we had usable takes, you know, the first or second try every single time. And then it was all about just dialing it up from there and how do we get it even better, even closer, even sicker. So. I know it probably gets frustrating for you too because I know a couple of us, including myself, like do athletes often get like thrown off a little bit of their normal routine when you're filming them from up close? Because I remember, for example, um, I had hit a home run on I think the first night and you were essentially like circling me as I was running the bases and I was like, don't look at the drone, pretend it's not there. (laughs) like Because you are thinking about it because you hear it a little bit. It's not super loud, but that can throw a loop in your plans too because it's like, I think of like a motorcycle on the freeway kind of weaving in and out of traffic when they shouldn't be you're kind of doing the same thing amongst people that aren't used to you being there, but you're just assuming they're going to stay on their, their normal day-to-day movements and whatnot. Sure. I think what with, especially with just filmmaking in general, like you want to, you know, observe and not be heard or not be in the way, Yeah. um, which is not possible with drones because especially these little tiny drones, because they're just, they make really annoying high pitched, squealy sounds and they're in the way and they're in the other shots and so you know it's you got to find that balance between like how do we let them do what they do and how do we make it the coolest thing possible uh so i wouldn't say i get annoyed with it i get um i it's more of a like i would prefer that it was super quiet and out of the way so that it you know we could just you know enjoy each other's expertise non-conflictingly but Mm -hmm. uh but there's there is no way to do that so you kind of just have to you know play that balance that game of balancing where it's you know yeah it maybe it's maybe it's a little annoying a little bit in the way but the compromise is a cool shot (laughs) so yeah yeah for sure i totally agree with you well um i know you're busy i know you have a lot of shoots coming up and you've done a lot of cool shoots um one thing i wanted to ask you too is do you have like a certain dream shoot that you wanted to be a part of that you haven't got to do yet, whether it's with an athlete or doing filmmaking? 
what's like the next thing on your bucket list that you want to accomplish? I know you've already done a lot. Yeah, bucket list. I got to think, oh, man, there's always one thing floating around out there. So like right now, if I had a bucket list, I think I think the thing that I want to do the most right now is go to a place called the Faroe Islands. Um, it's okay. like it's basically Europe's Iceland, even though Iceland is European, I think. Technically, um, but yeah, but like it's it, it, you know as Iceland is to like the northernmost part of the North America, the Faroe Islands are to like UK. Like they're just like off the coast a little ways. Okay. Um, unbelievable location um super cool uh and you could just you could fly anywhere and it would never look uncool um and so i really i really really want to go just fly there and get cool footage and just have a have a good time um in terms of like a subject i really want to do or so like my absolute bucket list would be to do so one of the things i love to do with fpv drones is like one takes or like you call them oneers, where you know everything is choreographed and timed to all happen, and the drone is kind of just moving around from place to place, okay, capturing yeah, yeah, each yeah. of the time things. Um, there's a director called Edgar Wright, um, who did like Baby Driver, uh, um, Shaun of the Dead, uh, you know, all, all these movies, which are highly like in, and one of the things that he highly emphasizes is like timing and visual cues and, mm-hmm. and things like that to the point where he in, incorporates those sort of like almost one take sort of things, um, often one takes things. Uh, and I would to, to do a sequence for Edgar Wright, that would be like my absolute dream. So whatever the subject is, I don't care, but like to have that be the, the sequence would be, would be, it would be awesome. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, that sounds cool. So I, I like that to see the different parts of your passion. So you got kind of a scenic aspect there, but also like working for someone who does a great job in choreographing things too. Hundred percent. Cool. Like you... I said, I'm not a creative guy. I can't think of well, like, oh, this that's... would be a cool shot. But I could execute someone else's creative vision. I think, and that's you know, so just to to work on behalf of someone and help execute to to be their paintbrush would be would be pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that a lot. Well, I know you have a ton of cool content of your own. You've already shot a ton of cool content. Um, I want to give you the chance right now to kind of plug where you post stuff, your Instagram, YouTube, all that kind of stuff, so our fans can go out and check you out a little bit. Yeah, my uh, so my Instagram is NurkFPV, usually just kind of little bits and pieces, highlights. Uh, the next uh, shot that I've got uh, coming out is going to be pretty cool. It uses a uh, super slow-mo camera to film somebody hitting golf out of a bunker so like oh, i fly sweet. through the dust and like like and it you know you're you see all of the individual particulate and the ball popping out and it's awesome so like stuff like that is kind of what i try to put on instagram and then on youtube again narc fpv uh is very focused on it, it kind of ends up being a little bit more review centric but telling a story along the way how do i use this tool to do something cool so it ends up being a little bit more drone centric but uh hopefully people find it interesting outside of the drone ecosystem so i wish i had a cool last name like that like the, the nerkla to nerk type thing yeah. how that is that how the nickname started how that when did that come about well, who came up with it so i originally started going by nerk because i played a lot of high school sports as well and my first name paul sounds a lot like ball um but but i <laughs> i end sense. up kind of getting more nerk centric in the uh the drone world because when i competed in the drone racing league which is a tv show on nbc uh at the time ESPN, which he won by the way yeah one one <laughs> in 2018 uh we were required by the league to have like a pilot handle like an alternative oh, name of some a sort stage name yeah a stage name sure and and like you know to the to the point where like even when you're not on camera, we are required to talk to each other in our stage name so that it becomes natural. So that like when we're, you know, giving an interview or something like that, I don't accidentally say, Oh, Alex crashed on this. I have yeah. to say Van over crashed on this or whatever. So, so before the, the mics heated up, you asked me if you should call me Paul or Nurk. And I said, it really is interchangeable <laughs> because it has been forced on me that it's interchangeable. So it's uh you know, one mm-hmm. way or the other, it's uh it's all good, but yeah. One thing I like is Nurk is very easy to remember. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a common nickname for sure. So I like that. Yep. 
Yeah, it's N-U-R-K. Everybody puts an E in there, but... <laughs> yes, yes, N-U-R-K. Well, we'll link everything for you in the description. Awesome. Uh, be sure to check out his content, guys. It is pretty cool. Like I said, if you think it looks cool online, seeing it in person is a whole different beast. So I really appreciate you coming on our show, Nurk. Uh, it was great to meet you a couple months ago back at uh, in Oklahoma. Yeah. And I hope we somehow, someway cross paths again in the future, dude. No, it's my pleasure. And I, you know, I'm grateful for the opportunity. I love the the combination of uh, unique alternative sports and and you know well on the outset i don't think that it, it seems like drones and uh wiffle ball don't have a lot in common but i think the the common threads are the most interesting part it's the story it's the people behind it so uh you know feel free to check out this stuff but definitely keep focusing on the wiffle ball and learn as much as you can about these guys because they're <laughs> the reason that you're going out to watch it right it's it, they hit cool clips but it's it's the people it's the individuals that's the thing that's really cool about it so uh hey. definitely stay subscribed to mlw <laughs> <laughs> hey, anyone who is first of all a great a great dude but also is the best at what they do i'm always interested to learn about it and i would love to share with the world so that's really why i wanted to get you on the show today i'm glad it worked out but uh nurk let you get back to being a drone pilot, being a dad, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. All right, see ya. All right, that's a wrap. Another good pod in the books. Thank you guys so much for tuning in for another week. More bigger and better things to come for this podcast, and it's been an uh, exciting few months. So make sure you guys, if you're in the area, the Detroit series, D-backs and Eagles, we are about a week away from that now. So if you want to come check it out, love to meet some of you and uh, talk some whiffs and watch some whiffs. So uh, see you guys out there, hopefully, and uh, we'll see you next week. Pop it up, 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 pop it up.